Welcome back. It's another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. Marcus Papp joined by Reggie Rizzo. On today's episode, a new and improved exoskeleton is helping people walk again. A Willy Wonka experience makes kids cry, and not because they were turned into blueberries or sucked through a tube of chocolate. Plus, a new phone app that could help diagnose depression. And on this day in history, we celebrate February 30th. You heard me right. That's coming up. It's cool stuff. A new robotic exoskeleton promises to improve the quality of life and mobility of people who've lost the use of their legs by helping them to stand up and even walk again. Known as the Twin, the device was unveiled this week in Milan during a press conference held at the Museum of Science and Technology. As you'd probably expect, the Twin fits over human legs, helping them to move via motors located at the knee and hip joints. These motors are powered by an onboard battery, which is reportedly good for about four hours of use for every one hour charged. That per a report from newatlas.com. It's currently still a prototype and being developed by scientists from the Italian Institute of Technology in conjunction with the National Institute for Insurance Against Accidents at Work. That latter part, a bit interesting. The device is also being touted for its potential role in rehabilitative therapy, as it could help some individuals learn to walk unaided again by guiding their movements and holding them up as they take part in the rehab. The twin can be utilized in three different operational modes. Walk mode is intended for people who have no use of their legs whatsoever. The exoskeleton device moves the user's legs for them while helping them to sit down and stand up. In this mode, the person will still require the use of crutches for balance, as is the case with other assistive exoskeletons, such as those made by Rewalk. So you might now be asking yourself, if there's already another exoskeleton on the market that achieves that same goal, why is this one special? Well, according to its designers, two things set the twin apart from similar exoskeletons. One, the fact that it's made of lightweight materials, aluminum alloy instead of steel, for example. Plus, number two, it features a modular design that allows components to be removed for transport or upgrading. Now, back to the available modes, we covered walk mode. Mode number two is retrain mode, intended for patients who still have some lower limb motor function, as it allows them to walk on their own as much as they're able, but kicks in with an adjustable level of assistance when needed. Throughout the process, the twin is guiding them towards a predetermined optimal leg movement trajectory. Finally, there's twin care mode intended for individuals who have full use of one leg, but not the other. In this case, the exoskeleton boosts the movement of the affected leg, so it matches the movement of the healthy leg. In all three modes, a physiotherapist or the user themselves can tweak gait parameters such as stride length, type, and walking speed via a wirelessly linked Android tablet. Again, that per new Atlas. The Twin has been in development since the end of 2013 and should hopefully enter full-scale production soon. As mentioned earlier, a number of competitors already exist on the market with the Rewalk commercially available since 2012. In researching this story and looking back at some of the previously available exoskeletons, it seems that each new model is cutting down on the overall bulk of the product, in addition to general improvements in fluidity of movement. For example, the sixth iteration of the Rewalk device, which was unveiled back in 2015, came with a backpack that housed a rather bulky battery. Finally, I would be remiss to not mention this. While I've yet to see a price on the twin specifically, the Rewalk retailed for a whopping $77,500 in 2015. So safe to say that none of this technology is cheap. Taking a look at a photo at this, you know, I, not to, I guess, make light of it, but it does kind of remind me of the unit used for Rody in 
the Avengers movies where he had his back broken in the legs. The, the size actually looks pretty reasonable. You know, you're going to have a little bit of bulk on it, but it doesn't look unreasonably bulky to move around in or look in. And I like the different functions of, you know, a train or a walk because you pointed out there are people that will need to just kind of learn to rewalk again. And instead of having to use that, you know, the bars and, you know, work your legs, this could be a good, uh, I guess, development um, that you could maybe even do at home versus always having to go into therapy and you could still practice at home um, and maybe a little bit safer of a mode. But that price, I guess you have to ask, what's the cost to being able to walk again? Is it worth it? 77,000? Yeah. What's the value to you? Well, like so many new inventions, it probably starts out as something that's available only to the ultra wealthy. Now, I have no idea what insurance would say about something like this, so that's another question to ask. But I have to say the thing that jumped out at me after reading through this story several times and looking up some additional details is, is just the fact that they've come a fairly long way in the last 12 years. You hear us say that a lot about science stories on this show. Hey, it'd be fun to see where we're at in 10, 15, 20 years. And it really is true. You can look back and see some of the progress they've made. You talk about the bulk being cut down, Reggie. So it does does beg the question, you know, at what point will wearers of these types of devices essentially be able to put something on that's hardly noticeable? Because I do think with time and scientific advancement, we'll eventually get there. And, and of course, that's an amazing thing to think about for people who are faced with this hand in life. Yeah, it would be nice if we could get to the point where it's something they could put on and then throw pants over top of it. Where you yeah, don't even absolutely. notice it. I mean, you obviously would need something there, but get a little bit looser fit pants, put it on and not even notice it. That would be nice if we could get to that point. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. We all knew AI was going to destroy the world. And now it has happened, Marcus. Or <laughs> at least it helped ruin the world for some little kids. In Glasgow, Scotland, in an immersive experience, I'm putting that in quotes, based on the <laughs> Timothée Chalamet's Wonka, was being advertised using AI renderings that showed beautiful lollipop forests with waterfalls of jelly beans. You know, basically everything that should go along with Willy Wonka. And they promised it would be a, quote, place where chocolate dreams come to reality, end quote. <laughs> well, it looked like Candyland. Like, it, it did. I it, mean, that's what AI can do for you, though. Well, obviously those ads were... A, bit deceiving as police were called to the event that was organized by the House of Illuminati, which, by the way, a name like that, I would question to begin with. <laughs> Instead of those fantastical images that from the movie or from the the AI renderings that you would expect from Wonka, it was a sparsely decorated warehouse that ended up full of crying children. Tickets and sparsely for- is putting it lightly, Reg. Yes. I saw these photos, too. I mean, it's essentially an unused warehouse with a candy cane decoration every hundred feet. Yeah. It's and pretty pathetic. They had some poorly like printed banners hung up in certain areas. Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> this it, would be like you and me with a budget of a hundred <laughs> bucks going out there and trying to 
set something up and then just using AI to, to pitch it as this miraculous, magical experience. So with that budget of a hundred bucks, that includes us going out for lunch, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like. In all like. likelihood, we're just going to be drawing photos and slapping them up. Hey, here's a gumdrop. Well, tickets for the event were $45. Families ended up seeing, like I said, a few banners and minor decorations along with actors who didn't know their lines and were asked to improvise with so-called props, as you put it, just like the little candy cane, whatever it was just sitting there or some mushroom. It was it was it was bad. <laughs> just picturing these actors, these poor actors yeah, I, going, what are we doing here? <laughs> Do a little it, song and dance with a candy cane. Yeah, Not only do I feel bad for the kids, I feel bad for the actors because they came in. They were just expecting a job. And it's like, here you go. Uh, you know, do what you can. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> do I have to put on all the paint and the wardrobe as yeah. a, an Oompa Loompa? What does that look like? It is kind of disheartening when you get there. You think you got this job and you walk in and you see that. Well, I would be embarrassed as the actor coming in and seeing that before anyone entered the building and going, I'm a part of this. Yeah. Oh, this is not going to end well. If you want to see some of those images, you can find a link in our show notes. Uh, you can see some of them. But one customer, Stuart Sinclair, he was quoted in saying that he went to the event. It was supposed to take an hour. He took his family there uh, and it took him about two minutes to go through it. <laughs> uh, he traveled two hours to get there with his three kids and was naturally very unhappy with the experience, saying, quote, this was described as the full Willy Wonka experience with chocolate fountains, etc., and a great day out for the kids. Wouldn't recommend this company for anything, end quote. He also said the event was, quote, an absolute con, which uh, you have to agree. You know, at least when they promised chocolate fountains, couldn't they have at least gotten one of those that have like the, you know, where it has that melted chocolate and you can dip things in? Couldn't they have at least sprung for that? Well, you would think, but... I mean, looking at this logically, you we've all seen at some point a Willy Wonka movie. That factory, no matter what iteration of it you're talking about, is not an easy thing to replicate. No. There are there's a lot of stuff going on in there. So in order to be able to build that out or build that up, you would have to have a pretty hefty budget. And clearly the House of Illuminati <laughs> was working on about 10 cents here in putting this together. Uh, they probably like, hey, I have some of these like candy cane things and stuff. Can we just bring that in? I, I haven't can just been around. Can we pull our Christmas decorations yeah, yeah. and see what we can do? <laughs> so there is a bit of good news. Supposedly, the company did offer 850 customers a full refund and the event was canceled after just one day. Now, Marcus, you said you looked at the images. Did you look closely at the AI generated images? Probably not close enough because I don't know what you're getting at here. What, uh, what happened? Like all AI-generated images, the misspellings are terrible. One of them for the Twilight Tunnel it had things like uh, expected twits, <laughs> igabic sounds, voo-voo sounds, uh, depactions, uh, twarding. Um, the, the, the spelling on it was horrible. In cheering entertainment was another one. <laughs> well... So this is the conclusion I've arrived at with those free AI generated images is they simply don't want you to rip them off. So they intentionally misspell things to make them unusable, presumably, yeah. except in the case of House of Illuminati, who didn't have the money to go buy the pro account. And so here we are. We're going to use those anyway. You, you could have at least, you know, taken that AI image, gone to uh, Photoshop, yeah, Photoshop. Yeah. And 
made some changes, fix it up a little bit. They couldn't even take the time to do that. This is the most poorly planned event. And I've done some poorly planning events. <laughs> Your wedding. <laughs> yeah, it's my wedding. Uh, we'll just, whatever, this is good. Did you have candy cane decor I on the did. way in? I did. I'm like, you know what? I think we have some reindeer and a Santa that glows half the time. Let's put them up. An inflatable why, one. There we go. Why is there a jack-o'-lantern at the entrance? Doesn't make any sense. Why is that 12-foot skeleton here? <laughs> because I had it from Halloween. <laughs> I put a top hat on it. Isn't that good enough? <laughs> By the way, 850 customers, 45 bucks a pop. You're talking about a little over 38 grand there. You would assume... I don't know. I guess maybe the, this being year one, maybe they didn't know what to expect from ticket well, sales. But but geez, even $15,000 should have gotten you, you know, a, a lot more than what they had up. And you'd still stand to profit from this. Yeah. I mean, you would think a lot of these ticket sales were pre-purchased. So you could have taken that money that had already come in and said, you know what? Uh, we'll spend 15. We'll pay someone $15,000 or whatever to, you know, there, there's decorators out there that could have created this event for you. And instead, you put in this lack of effort, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I don't think House of Illuminati will be putting on any other events in the near future. No, no. A bad name for the Illuminati. <laughs> this next story comes to us from the Ivy League, Dartmouth to be exact. That's where university researchers report they've developed the first smartphone application that uses artificial intelligence paired with facial image processing software to reliably detect the onset of depression before the user even knows something is wrong. That's interesting. Oh. It, it's going to look at your face and tell you you're depressed before you even know you're depressed? Precisely. And it's, and it's not a one-time thing. Of course, this is, and I'll get to this here in a moment, but a number of photos taken over a, a period of time, and they've programmed it to read certain facial cues and other variables that may come into play. So it's really quite fascinating. The app itself is called Mood Capture, and it uses the phone's front camera to capture the person's facial expressions and surroundings during regular use, then evaluates those images for clinical cues associated with depression. In a study of 177 people diagnosed with major depressive disorder, the app correctly identified early symptoms of depression with 75% accuracy, and it's believed that with another five years of perfecting this, the accuracy rate should climb to around 90%, meaning the tech could be publicly available around that time. So I guess what is the end goal here? You can detect that someone's depressed. What is the next step in the process? Are you supposed to then like set up a therapy appointment? Is there like, I, I guess, you know, what is the next step that, okay, you diagnose I'm depressed. What now? Well, I think that probably varies by individual and, you know, what type of uh, depression we're talking about, how severe it is. Everybody's going to have a bit different experience. But as is the case with pretty much any disorder, disease, you have to diagnose it before you can do anything about it. So whether this means, hey, now I need to set up an appointment with a doctor to go through this with a human and make sure that what my phone is telling me is accurate, in my mind, that would be the most logical step. But, you know, maybe you weren't even thinking about it until that point. So this can help you get there. The development team first published their findings earlier this week in advance of presenting them at the Association of Computing Machineries CHI 2024 conference. That comes up this May. Papers presented at CHI 
which are peer-reviewed prior to acceptance. It'll be published in the conference proceedings. Per Andrew Campbell, the paper's corresponding author, quote, This is the first time that natural, in-the-wild images have been used to predict depression. There's been a movement for digital mental health technology to ultimately come up with a tool that can predict mood in people diagnosed with major depression in a reliable and non-intrusive way, end quote. He went on to point out that people use facial recognition software to unlock their phones hundreds of times a day. Quote, Mood Capture uses a similar technology pipeline of facial recognition technology with deep learning and AI hardware, so there is a terrific potential to scale up this technology without any additional input or burden on the user. A person just unlocks their phone and Mood Capture knows their depression dynamics dynamics and can suggest they seek help, end quote. For the study, the application captured 125,000 images of participants over the course of 90 days. People in said study consented to having their photos taken via the front camera of their phone, but they didn't know when it was happening. So that's really the interesting part. You can't really brace yourself or try to put on a happy face, so to speak, uh, if you know that the phone is taking your, your picture. Instead, it's, as I believe Campbell said earlier, calling it in the wild photos it for the most part really is that i wonder where the privacy or concerns would be if like parents use this to kind of help evaluate their kids like are their mm. kids having a tough time at school they unlock their phone if it shows signs of depression and it gets sent to the parent maybe the parent can have a discussion with the kids set up therapy do something to help alleviate some of that stress of being in school because as we know there can be a lot of issues with kids in school and get depression from that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right, Reggie. And this is in all likelihood, we're talking about minors, potentially a tool for parents to ensure their kids are, are in a positive mental space. Of course, we don't have all the answers yet, and it will probably be a while before this even becomes available to the public. But right now, promising and in my mind, a, a positive thing, as it can potentially be just another tool that helps people make a... a diagnosis. So the first group of participants was used to program mood capture to recognize depression. They were photographed in random bursts using the phone's camera as they responded to the statement, quote, I have felt down, depressed, or hopeless, end quote. That prompt is from the eight-point patient health questionnaire, or PHQ-8, which is used by clinicians to detect and monitor major depression. The researchers used image analysis AI on these photos so that mood capture's predictive model could learn to correlate self-reports of feeling depressed with specific facial expressions, such as gaze, eye movement, positioning of the head, and muscle rigidity, and environmental features, such as dominant colors, lighting, photo locations, and the number of people in the image. The concept is that every time a user unlocks their phone, Mood Capture analyzes a sequence of images in real time. The AI model draws connections between expressions and background details found to be important in predicting the severity of depression. Over time, Mood Capture identifies image features specific to the user. For example, if someone consistently appears with a flat expression in a dimly lit room for an extended period, the AI model might infer that person is experiencing the onset of depression. We'll, of course, link to the story in the show notes today. If you'd like to know more about the methodology used here, it's a fairly extensive uh, look at that and where the app may go from here, certainly. But as you heard us say, probably another five years before they're able to perfect it to the point of it being commercially viable. I do not like the image capture from my opening my phone. I just 
I don't like things taking my image picture all the time. It's not taking your picture. It's it's recognizing facial features to unlock it at this point. Man, but it's got to record it somewhere. And I don't know. I'm just paranoid. I don't trust it. Okay. I don't trust hey, AI. I, fair enough. Uh, I don't know that that constitutes AI, but... Well, uh... AI is, is, is <laughs> AI's evaluating the images, so... Okay. I don't trust Reggie's going to take off his tinfoil hat. We'll be back with this <laughs> day in history. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. I don't know if you've ever made the joke, I'll pay you on February 30th. And I, I know a restaurant <laughs> that said that. Yeah. I had a restaurant that I'd go to and it said uh, free meals on February 30th. You know, bad jokes. Well, in 1792 in Sweden, those jokes wouldn't work very well. I'm not sure if February 30th counts as this day in history for March 1st, but, you know, here we are. Back in 1792, Sweden was, like everyone else, trying to be more accurate with their calendars by switching from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. Now, at this time, there was a 10-day gap between them. Pope Gregory XIII pushed for the Gregorian calendar in 1582 to fix the issues and to be more accurate from the solar year and the calendar year. It was a slow transition, but eventually nations started to implement the new calendar. Sweden adopted the Gregorian calendar in 1700, which happened to be a leap year in the Julian calendar. They planned on taking out uh, 11 days over 40 years, but by mistake, they still observed leap years in 1704 and 1708. So now their calendar was a complete mess. How do you by mistake observe leap year twice? I, I don't know. That's a good <laughs> question. Oh, shoot. Did we do that again? Uh. So, you know, what do you do in that situation? You just go back to your old ways, right? So they went back to the Julian calendar in March of 1712, but they wanted to make sure Easter was on a Sunday. So since 1712 was a leap year in the Julian calendar, they added February 30th to make sure Easter was on the Sunday to make up for that leap day that it took out in 1700. So they did take it out in 1700, just not in 1704 and 1708. So again, I it was a complete mess. Now, they did eventually go back to the Gregorian calendar in 1753. However, to fix the issue with the days, <laughs> they decided to do it in one blow. They skipped from February 17th to March 1st. <laughs> now, there are years I would definitely like to skip most of February, so I'm on board with that method. What happened if you had something on the calendar for February 22nd? Oh, yeah, we're going to meet that day. Uh, uh, I guess you really got to restructure things. I, I guess you were in luck if your rent was due on February 18th. <laughs> I don't uh, have to pay it this year. Or not. Now you're, <laughs> now you're late. late. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Shoot. Hey, you're, I guess maybe you're in luck if your pay period was on that Friday and then two weeks later. <laughs> then you're good. You get paid two days in a row. You know, in 1700, when all those HR pros were running payroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Using Quicken Books or Augusto or whatever. <laughs> Quicken Books? Qu I don't know. What, what is it? Quick. QuickBooks. QuickBooks, whatever. Ah, yeah. <laughs> That was the predecessor from yes. the 1700s. Quicken no, books. Then, then it was Quicketh Books. Oh, yes. <laughs> Good call. 
<laughs> That'll do it for another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. I'm Reggie Rizzo. He's Marcus Path. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. Also, please like us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll be back with more cool stuff tomorrow. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>